Good evening, everyone. Merry Christmas Eve to each and every one of you, and Merry Christmas Eve to everyone tuning in online. It is an honor and a privilege to be here with you tonight and to rejoice together in the birth of our Savior. Are you ready to do that? Amen. We've got some cool songs to sing. We're going to be celebrating the Lord's Supper together as well. Gary's got a fantastic message planned, and uh, you were given um, an uh, electric candle as you walked in. We will be using those at the very end of the service. Now, if you want to turn them on now, you'd be extra festive, that's fine. <laughs> but we'll be saving them for the closing song at the end of the service, and then <clears throat> uh, uh, my daughters, Lauren and Katie, will get back there to collect them when you're on your way out. So that's, just want you to know about those. Let's stand together. And let's worship the King of Kings, our Savior, together. One, two, three, and... All right, let's sing, church. Let me get the melody right. I'm sorry. We're going to start that one more time. And I'm going to ask for your grace because I started the wrong rhythm. Here we no go. Worries, That's okay. It's all good. Go with you, Top of verse 1. I'm very sorry. Here we go. 1, 2, 3, and... Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. Wonderful counselor. Mighty God, Prince of Peace, Gloria, Gloria, Glory in the highest, Gloria, Gloria, Glory in the highest season, Glory in the highest season, Gloria. Son of God, Son of God, comes to say, born into a lowly manger, to lift to high, raise his name, the hope of all the world I say, we sing Gloria, 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 glory in the highest. Holy night, oh holy night, Son of God, love's pure light, glory stream from heaven afar, heaven's host sing hallelujah. We sing Gloria, Gloria, Gloria. Glory in the highest, we sing glory. 
participation on this one in a big, big way. There's a special chorus at the beginning with really just one word. So I'm not concerned really about you getting that part down. But I am going to ask Gary to lead this side in that. (laughs) And I'm going to ask Steve to lead this side in that and just, you know, set the pace, you know, model what you want them to do. And uh, here we go. On the kick. He's kidding. One, two, three, and just like this, everybody. Here we go. Two, three. Did it, 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 did Born unto, born unto us this day, a Savior. Gifted from heaven to a manger. The hope, the hope of the world at last for all mankind. All of the earth rejoice, it's Christmas time. And so we lift up our voices together, here we go. So lift up your voice and sing out his praise, it's Goodwill. Goodwill to all the earth and peace divine. All of the earth rejoice. It's Christmas time. It's Christmas time. So we lift. So lift up your voice and sing out his praise. It's Christmas. A joyful sound. It's Christmas. Let His praise resound. It's Christmas. So lift up your voice and sing out His praise. It's Christmas. Voice the King, rejoice in the day. It's Christmas. Make a joyful sound. It's Christmas. Let His praise resound. It's Christmas. Did it, 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 did it,
up your voice and sing out and pray. Thank you so much for singing with us. Why don't you have a seat right now? I'd like to invite my wife Carolyn up, and she's going to lead us in the Lord's Supper together. Well, Merry Christmas. Elsa, for once you got to say it. I'm always saying, he's just kidding. (laughs) And it carries on. Well, Merry Christmas, church. Um... Right now, we are going to celebrate the Lord's Supper. And at Christmas time, we are celebrating the birth of Jesus, the birth of our Savior, the Messiah, the Lord. But it's so much more than a baby being born in a manger. We celebrate God sending his only son, being born of a virgin, taking on human flesh, being both fully God and fully man. We celebrate the fact that God gave his son to save the world. So what a perfect time to celebrate communion, because communion is remembering Jesus' body that was given for us and the blood, his blood that was shed for us. By observing communion, we recognize both our Lord's miraculous incarnation and his death. The two elements in communion, uh, the bread and the juice, um, they symbolize two essential aspects of our Lord's saving work. The bread symbolizes our Lord's incarnation, his body, and the, the, the juice commemorates the death in the sinner's place, um, recognizing the blood that was shed for us. During this Christmas season and beyond, let's consider a few things about the elements um, of communion. First, the bread. The bread at communion symbolizes the incarnation of our Lord Jesus, which uniquely qualifies him to die for the sins of man. Apart from taking on human flesh, he could not die as man for mankind. So Jesus set aside the glories of heaven and his divine privileges, taking on humanity in order to come to dwell in a fallen world. That's pretty miraculous. The bread is unleavened. Now, leaven in the Bible is a symbol of sin. And when we take the communion bread, we're, it's, it's an unleavened bread, which symbolizes the sinless nature of the body of Jesus. He is both God and man. He is the only man who can die for others because he had no sin. When we take the bread of communion, let's let's not look at it as just a wafer, but let's look at it as a gift of God, the perfect sinless body of Christ that gives that he that was given for you and for I. And when we look at the cup, 
let's look at it as the blood that was poured out for you and for I. Christmas is the ushering in of God's gift of salvation to all mankind. That's Christmas. I love that. Christmas is the ushering in of God's gift of salvation to all mankind. Tonight, when we take communion, let's reflect on that gift. Jesus' body given for us and Jesus' blood shed for us. So right now, I'm going to ask you to come forward to get the elements. And I'm going to ask this side to come over to Sandy and this side to come over. Someone over there? Steve. Thank you, Steve. (laughs) Um, and, and And to take the elements. And while you're doing that, while you're waiting in line to get the elements, I just want you to consider Jesus, and I want you to just reflect on the fact that he came. He came. He didn't have to, but he did. And it just amazes me to think that he left the glories of heaven to come down to earth, knowing what he was going to do to live that sinless life, to go to the cross for you and I, so that we can be reconciled to God and for ha- to have a forever home with him in heaven. That just blows my mind. And he came. And that's what Christmas is about. So I'm going to ask you to come forward and to get those elements. And then once you have them, I will lead us in communion together. So why don't you go ahead and come forward. Right now, I'd like to lead us in a special prayer to prepare our hearts for communion. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we bow before you in humility and ask for you to examine our hearts this evening. Reveal areas in our life where we have not given it all to you. Areas of our life where we're still holding on and not fully surrendered to you for whatever reason. Reveal areas in our life where thankfulness has been hard because of a a battle with hurt or anger or grudges or unforgiveness. God, you know. And so we confess those right now and we surrender, Lord. Our desire is to live a life of gratitude for all that you have done. Jesus, thank you for coming. In Jesus' name, amen. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took a loaf of bread 
And when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took a cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and you, sealed by the shedding of my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we remember and we thank you for your son, Jesus. For Jesus leaving the glories of heaven and taking on humanity. For his sinless life and his supreme sacrifice for all of our sin, past, present, and future. Because of his blood shed for us and the body given for us, we can be free from the power and the penalty of sin. Thank you. Jesus, thank you for Jesus' birth. Thank you for going for the cross. Thank you for your victory over death. He took the death that we deserve. He took our punishment. And now in Jesus, we have peace. We have comfort. We have healing. We have forgiveness. We have salvation. And today we remember with grateful hearts all that you have done for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much, Carolyn. Well, the band, we have uh, another song to lead you in in just a moment. Before we do that, I'd love to ask you to just uh, take a few moments to greet the folks around you. Welcome someone. Let them know you're glad they're here. And then ask them, hey, what are your Christmas plans? What are you doing tonight? What are you doing tomorrow? And we'll continue with our worship in just a second.
Okay, folks, let's make our way back to our seats here. We're going to continue with our worship now.
Lord, you are worthy of our worship. You are worthy of our praise. And we rejoice together tonight in the birth of our Savior, our Redeemer, our risen King. Thank you for this opportunity to gather and make your praise glorious together. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a seat, everyone. Thank you for worshiping with us. All right, good. I was going to say good morning. I guess it's actually evening, isn't it? Uh, Whatever it is, uh, good day to you, all right? Good day, mate, all right? Uh, So, uh, yeah, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. I'm really glad you're here tonight. Thank you for coming. It's really good to see you guys, and uh, just super, super happy to have you. Uh, You know, uh, for us, Christmas this year is an especially happy occasion for us. Uh, Our... I start to say Joy. Joy got married. Uh, she married me, okay? It was 32 years ago, but I just now remembered it. Oh, 31. Whatever. It's been a while back. So anyway, uh, but Cass, Cass got married this last year uh, to Sean. We're really glad to have Cass and Sean with us. Then uh, Faithy's here with her boyfriend, Andrew. And Andrew, we're glad to have you. Faith, I'm glad to have you too. And, uh, and uh, later tonight, uh, Caleb is going to be home. Uh, with his wife, Jessica, and uh, they just got married this year, and now uh, Jessica's expecting, so we're expecting her first grandbaby. So for us right now, uh, Christmas this year is really a special, blessed time for us. It really is. At the same time, there have been other times in our lives, and there are times, uh, perhaps in the lives of some people here, that that for you, Christmas, this may not be as fun for you. I I know that this happens. Uh, It may be your first uh, Christmas without a loved one, uh, it may be uh, around Christmas time, maybe a, a reminder uh, of uh, a pain from the past that you never really resolved in your heart, your mind. Uh, there may be a strained relationship. And so really Christmas is, it, it can be a wonderful and fun time, but it can also be a difficult time for some of us. And so what I want to do is I want to honor every person here. I really do. I really do. And in where, whatever you're coming here with, if you're coming here with, you know, things are going better than ever for you, fantastic, uh, really glad to hear that. If things are going really, really hard for you, I just want you to know we love you. Uh, I want you to know God loves you. He really does. Uh, I, I, you know, uh, I don't know why you're going through what you're going through, but this is what I do know is that God cares about what you're facing, uh, and, and you matter to him. You really do, and I just want you to, uh, to know that. So I uh, just wanted to say that because I don't want to be superficial in what we're about to talk about. And we are going to be talking about, about Christmas. We're going to be talking about Christmas. Uh, I want you, if you have a Bible, I'd encourage you to open up to Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. If you don't, if you have it on your phone, you can turn, it, turn on your phone to it. Or you can just look up on the screen because it's going to be up there. Uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to read for us uh, Matthew chapter 1, uh, verses 18 through 25. And this tells the story, uh, of the, the, story of the very first Christmas through the eyes and the experience of Joseph. And, you know, we live in a media-saturated culture. We really do. I mean, we we got TVs, we've got, we've got cell phones that have all kinds of stuff on it, our computers. There is media everywhere. And, uh, and sometimes, sometimes uh, reading a story, we don't always see it the same way because of how we become really dependent on media uh, to, to help us that way. 
And so tonight what I want you to do is, as I read the text, I don't want you just to hear the words. I want you to see the story. Because that's the way I believe it was intended to be read. That God intended us to actually see the story as we read the scriptures. So let me read for us tonight, uh, Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. Matthew writes this, he says, This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But they, uh, uh, his mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Real quick, real quick. Uh, she was actually betrothed to Joseph. And I know I've touched this be- on this before. But just so you're aware of this, uh, in Jewish tradition uh, at that time, it wasn't uncommon for a young woman to be betrothed at age 12 uh, or 13. Uh, or even 14, but, I mean, they married a lot younger. And so the betrothal period was a period of one year. In that year, you were legally married. You were legally husband and wife, but you did not consummate the marriage. You did not come together as husband and wife for one year. And what the husband would do is he would come for his bride at a time that she didn't know. He would come at an unexpected time. And in that year, he would take time to prepare a place for her. And then he would come, he would get her, and bring her to be with him. And this is quite often used as a picture of what the second coming of Jesus is going to look like. That we, the church, consisting of all true believers in Jesus, we are the bride of Christ. And one day Jesus is coming again for us. So what I want you to understand, though, just for here tonight, I'm sorry, I'm interrupting the story. Uh, What I want you to understand here is that Joseph was a young man in love with a young woman, expecting to take her as his wife. And this was probably somewhere around four months into uh, their, well, it would have been probably about four months into the pregnancy for Mary because we know that she spent three months with her, her relative Elizabeth. So let me just start from the beginning. Can I do that? Joe, can we go back? Sorry about that. Uh, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is through the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you're to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet Isaiah. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus. Let me pray for us and we'll dive into this. God, tonight what we want to do is we want to just rejoice. We want to reflect. We want to reflect on the significance, the importance of what what Christmas is really about. And, Lord, what we want to do is we we want to reflect and we want to rejoice and we want to worship you in this. We want to see 
what was actually done on that very, very first Christmas and to understand its significance, importance for us and what you're doing in our lives and our world today. I pray this in Christ's name and for your glory. Amen. Four things I want you to see in the text. Four things. The first thing I want you to see is this. is just very simply. I want you to see that Jesus is fully God and fully man. Now, nowhere in the text does it say Jesus is fully God and fully man, but I believe it's, it's in the text. And let me, let me just kind of explain to you where and how I see this. First of all, in verse 18, we see that, that, that Mary was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Not through a man, but through the Holy Spirit. And again, in verse 20, uh, the angel tells Joseph, he tells Joseph that what is conceived in Mary is from the Holy Spirit. That he's not conceived by a man, but he is actually conceived through the work, the agency of the Holy Spirit. That he is born of a virgin. And, uh, and the scripture says here that, um, uh, it says that all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin, literally, Parthenos, Greek word means virgin, not in the sense of a young woman, but it means virgin in the sense of a woman who has never, uh, never had a sexual intimate relationship with a man. And so what we see here is that, that in a miraculous way, that Jesus, when he was born, being conceived by the Holy Spirit, was himself God. But not only was Jesus fully God, but he was also uh, fully man. That, that he was not just conceived by the Holy Spirit, but born of a virgin. Uh, why this is important is that because what Jesus represents, this is huge. I mean, this is huge. Paul says it this way. He says about, he says about this, this doctrine, this idea, what, what theologians have called the hypostatic union or the incarnation. The, the meaning that God became flesh and took on our humanity. That, that Paul says it this way. He says, for in Christ, all the fullness of deity, all the fullness of the Godhead, meaning every single attribute that God the Father and God the Holy Spirit have. Meaning that, that all the, the, the power, the, the, his eternal nature, his infinite nature, he, fully, uh, he is fully God in every sense. That, that Christ is the fullness of the deity, the, the fullness of the Godhead. Uh, it says that, that for in Christ, the fullness of the deity, the Godhead lives, dwells in bodily or human form. That, that what Jesus was and what Jesus is, is he's the perfect bridge between heaven, because he's fully God, and between earth, because he's fully man. That, 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 that because Jesus is fully God, because he is fully man, because he was conceived by the Holy Spirit, because he was born of a virgin, he can be the atoning sacrifice for you and me. He can be the, what, what I mean by this is this, is that, that no other person could go to the cross for you or me. That no other person, when Jesus went to the cross, he suffered... God's wrath for you, for me, as an atoning sacrifice. This is something he could not have done if he were not fully God, fully man, if he were not without sin. And so Jesus is fully God. He's fully man. Second thing I want you to see here is this, is that Jesus is Emmanuel, which means God with us. Uh, that that when, uh, when Jesus, what Jesus accomplished for us 
when he took on the fullness of our humanity, he actually became God with us. And, and, what, um, and what Matthew does is he quotes, from, he quotes from Isaiah chapter 7. And he quotes uh, Isaiah as saying this. He says, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. Now, real, real quickly, um, this prophecy by Isaiah was made 700 years before Jesus was born. It was about 700 years before Jesus was born. There was a king over Judah. His name was Ahaz. Can you say boo? Yeah, boo Ahaz, okay? Ahaz is the bad guy, okay? But there's a good guy. His name is Isaiah. Can you say yay? Yay, yay Isaiah, okay? So what happens is, is Ahaz, he's just kind of a, yeah, boo, thank you. Uh, he, he's, a, he's a bad guy. He's a bad guy. He didn't really trust God. He really didn't believe in God. He really did not believe that God was with his people. He really did not believe that his people could depend upon God to rescue them. And so what he did was he reached out to another country, uh, Assyria. I don't know if you know this. The Assyrians were, they were like incredibly wicked. Yeah. They were, they were incredibly wicked. They were extremely violent. Uh, I won't go into all the details about some of the things they would do, but when it, you just didn't want to be defeated by the Assyrians, okay? It, just, it did not end a good, in a good way for you, okay? Um, and so what he did was he went to the Assyrians to protect them from the northern kingdom of Israel, also called Ephraim, and to protect them from uh, another country called Aram. You would know it today as Syria, Okay? And so he was going to, to Assyria to protect the nation of Judah. And so what, what, what Isaiah does is Isaiah comes to Ahaz. And he tells Ahaz that God is going to give him a sign. That a young woman, a young woman in his court would become pregnant. She would give birth to a son. His name would literally be Emmanuel. Meaning God with us. And what Isaiah told Ahaz is before the boy is old enough to know the difference between right and wrong, that, that both Syria and uh, in the northern kingdom of Israel would be defeated. So what is Matthew doing when he takes this prophecy from 700 years earlier and applies it to Jesus? And what, what, what Matthew is doing is he's saying that little boy was a symbol. That little boy who was born 700 years earlier, whose name was Emmanuel, meaning God with us, that little boy was a symbol. He was a symbol that God would be present and that God would rescue his people. But that boy was a symbol. He was a shadow. Jesus was, is the substance. The boy was named Emmanuel. Jesus is Emmanuel. He is God with us. Third thing I want you to see in the text is this. Is I want you to see that Jesus is the, the fulfillment of the Old Testament scriptures. When, when, when Matthew writes, uh, he, he writes this, he says, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. He said that, that what, all this took place to fulfill what was said through the prophet that the virgin will conceive, give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. Jesus is, he's a fulfillment of this prophecy. But Jesus is much more than simply a fulfillment of this prophecy. Jesus is a fulfillment. Sometimes people talk about all the different 
prophecies that Jesus fulfilled. What I want you to see in the book of Matthew, I've, I've studied the book of Matthew just enough to make it confusing for the rest of you, okay? But one of the things that Matthew does is he quotes, I can't remember, like, it's like 50 or more texts from the Old Testament scriptures. And over and over again, one of the things that Matthew will say, that this is a fulfillment, or this was a fulfillment. That this is a major theme, the fulfillment theme is a major theme in the book of Matthew. And what Jesus was, is, is he was the fulfillment, not just of individual prophecies, he was a fulfillment of all of the Old Testament scriptures. In Matthew chapter 5, I've got to look it up real quick. Actually, let me look here. In Matthew five seventeen, uh, Jesus says this. It's, it's the Sermon on the Mount. Y'all remember that? Sermon on the Mount, greatest sermon ever, okay? Uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says this. He says, uh, do not think that I have come to abolish the law and the prophets. Now, the law and the prophets is kind of the Jewish way of saying all of the Old Testament scriptures. They're saying it's all of the law, all of the prophets, and everything in between. Okay? It's kind of a way of saying all of the Old Testament scriptures. And, and what Jesus says, he says, Do not think that I came to abolish the law and the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. What we see in Jesus is Jesus doesn't just fulfill a prophecy here and a prophecy there. He doesn't just fulfill a verse here and a verse there. He is a fulfillment of the entirety of all Scripture. You know, it's really fascinating. Again, again, I studied Matthew just long enough to make it confusing. But if you read through the first 17 verses of Matthew chapter 1, you'll read the genealogy of Jesus. I used to read the genealogy of Jesus, and I would yawn. Okay? Just being honest with you. I would yawn. I would read it, and I'd be like, okay, you know, so-and-so begat, so-and-so begat, so-and-so begat, so-and-so. The mother was this person, begat, so-and-so begat, so-and-so, who was, you know, the mother was this person. Very interesting. Uh, four different women are mentioned in the genealogy of, Ma- uh, of Jesus and Matthew, al- uh, along with Mary, five total. Also interesting, well, first of all, if you were a Jew, you never had a genealogy with women in it. But Jesus did. Isn't that interesting? And, and, and not only that, is that every one of these women, in some way or another, had scandal uh, t- attached to them. Rahab, uh, Rahab and then uh, Ruth, both of them were, were Gentiles. They were Gentiles. Uh, Tamar had an incestuous relationship with her father-in-law, uh, who uh, gave birth to Perez. Uh, yeah, Perez. Who was in the, the the lineage of Jesus, and and then there's uh, then there's Uriah's wife, also known as Bathsheba, who had an adulterous relationship with David. Now, very very interesting is that, that in the Bible it doesn't try to clean things up; it just kind of presents things the way they are. Uh, but what's really interesting is you read through the genealogy, and then you have this young and unwed mother Mary. It's like there's it's like it feels like in the ancient world, in the, in the eyes of the Jews, it looks a lot like scandal. Isn't it interesting that Jesus comes to us in the middle of what looks like scandal? And, and what's really fascinating, though, is you read through the genealogy, I'm sorry, I'm saying everything except the white thing. It says that, it says that Jesus was the son of Abraham, the son of David. Now, why is that interesting? Why is that interesting? 
Because God had made a covenant with Abraham. God had made a covenant with Abraham, and God had told Abraham that through your seed, a seed could be either plural or singular, but through your seed, one of your descendants, through your seed, all the nations on the earth will be blessed. Jesus is the fulfillment of the Abrahamic covenant. That Jesus is the seed through whom every nation, every family, every person will be blessed. That Jesus is the son of of Abraham. He is the son of David. Why is that important? Because God made a covenant with David. God made a covenant with David. And God told David that one day your son, one of your descendants, will sit on your throne and reign forever and ever. Jesus is the fulfillment of the Davidic covenant. Jesus is the fulfillment of all the Old Testament scriptures. He is fully God, fully man. He is God with you. He is the fulfillment of all the Old Testament scriptures. And finally, Jesus is the Lord who saves. In verse 21, the angel tells Joseph... He tells Joseph this, he t- uh, talking about uh, the child to be born to Mary. He says, uh, she would give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. You see, that name, Jesus, means this. It means the Lord saves. And what, what the angel told Joseph is, was he was to name his son Jesus, because he would save his people from their sins. And that's why Jesus came. What Jesus came to do is he came to save people like you and people like me. That Jesus has been able to do for you what no other person could ever do. That, that Jesus is what no other person could ever make a claim to. He is fully God, fully man, God with you. The one who fulfills all the Old Testament scriptures the one who is the Lord who saves. I'm going to go ahead and ask the, the worship team to come back up. There's no other name given to man under heaven by which we must be saved. That only Jesus can save because only Jesus can be the atoning sacrifice who can uh, die in my place, in your place, on the cross. Jesus is fully God. Fully man, Emmanuel, God with us, the fulfillment of the Old Testament scriptures. Uh, he is the Lord who saves. Let's pray. God, you are good. Uh, you are great. You are awesome. God, you are holy. And uh, Lord, we are so grateful for what Jesus represents. That you are a holy God, which means that, that, that you are offended by sin because of your holiness. But you are also a loving and gracious God, and you love sinners. And we are so grateful that you sent Jesus in our place to die on the cross as our atoning sacrifice so that through faith in him we could be born again and be your children. pray this in Christ's name. Amen.
Gary, thank you so much. I'm so grateful to to the Lord for the opportunity for all of us to gather here tonight and to hear from his word and hear his plan. It's good news. Good news all around. A couple of reminders for you before we uh, uh, stand and sing one last time together. First of all, go ahead and turn on your lights. Secondly, excellent Gunner. Yep, he's got it. He knows what he's doing. (laughs) Secondly, I want to remind you that tomorrow morning we are meeting exclusively online. Our service will be uh, broadcast at 10 o'clock sharp on our Facebook and YouTube channels. So just want to remind you of that. We're excited to come into your living rooms or to your family rooms or wherever you may be at at 10 a.m. tomorrow. So be sure to tune in online for that. And um, also want to let you know that two weeks from tomorrow, um, excuse me, one week from tomorrow on New Year's Day, uh, we will be back in person here. And I can't think of a better way to kick off the new year than to be in the house of God with the people of God, worshiping him. So 10 o'clock sharp on New Year's Day, we will be back here in person. And the final thing I wanted to mention is uh, two weeks from tomorrow, on January 8th, we're going to kick off our 40 Days of Purpose spiritual growth uh, time together. We'll be going through the Purpose Driven Life, and uh, next week we're going to have some signups out for uh, some small groups that are going to be led. We're going to be, uh, we've got about five groups that are going to be meeting <clears throat> as we go through the Purpose Driven Life together, and we encourage you to plug in to a group. So um, those are the things that I just want to say, and I want to ask you to stand with us right now. And I want to thank you again so much for being here. Let's sing together. Here we go. could hear how good you sound to me. Second verse.
peace. Thank you so, so much for sharing your Christmas Eve evening with us. We are very grateful. Have a fantastic Christmas time with your family and friends and loved ones. We'll see you online tomorrow at 10 a.m. and in person on January 1st. Thank you so much for being here.